Hi everyone and welcome to this next episode of Project Millennial. I'm super happy to be starting off this podcast with this particular episode because I think it's super fitting with the goal I have for this podcast, which is bringing you insights that I think will change the way you view career and life in general. So in this episode, we cover the two things you need to find work that you love. We also go in depth into money and our thoughts about money. And we go in depth into thoughts itself and the false stories that we tell ourselves that hold us back. This episode is an interview with a psychology graduate and former NHS surgeon. He steps aside from clinical practice for a decade to explore a number of career paths, including health informatics, cycling journalism, public speaking and high street retail with his wife. He is now back in the healing profession, tackling the root cause of chronic mental stress and its many harmful effects by helping clients reconnect to their natural inbuilt state of health and happiness. Here is my interview with Dr. Giles P. Croft. So good morning, Giles. Um, thank you oh, yeah. so much. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. So let's just jump right into it. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your, and your journey? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I, I, I had a fairly sort of standard medical upbringing, I suppose. I, I, uh, I went to, went to medical school actually, no, that's a lie. I took a year out before I went to medical school and, and, and did some volunteering work and worked in a factory for six months to earn some money to go traveling. But then, yeah, I went to medical school, um, trained as a doctor, um, took a year out to do a psychology degree, I guess, the signs were there that I was maybe had slightly itchy feet right back at the beginning. Um, and then once I'd qualified, I, I think initially I wanted to be a, I didn't really know what I wanted to be because, and this is the story of my life. Um, because I pretty much enjoyed everything that I did, like every specialty that I did, I re- I really enjoyed, I really threw myself into them and I could, I, I always saw, all of the uh, the bits that I liked and everything, um, and then I think eventually I made the decision that I wanted to be a radiologist. I think, and I could, and I decided, and you know, you can either go the medical route or the surgical route. And I thought I'll go the surgical route because the idea of interventional radiology quite, quite, uh, I quite enjoyed. And uh, and then when I started doing my surgical training, um, I got seduced by the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> and ended up wanting to be a surgeon so uh so and then i and then i did a i did an orthopedic placement and i'd never done any orthopedics before in my life and i had all these preconceptions about what it was like and what it was about and what orthopedic surgeons were like you know how it goes all these stereotypes and and i have to say i wasn't really looking forward to it and then i did it as a job and I was like, this is amazing. I absolutely love this. Uh, and all of the surgeons were just the, the total opposite of the stereotype mm-hmm. I found. You know, they were the loveliest bunch of people. And so I, um, so I started my special, I got my membership, you know, went from being a doctor back to being a mister and um, started doing my specialist training. And then, and then I left. <laughs> not really something I'd planned, mm-hmm. uh, but it just it 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 just seemed to happen. A, a, a set of circumstances came to pass, and the next thing I know, I'd I'd left medicine, and um and I went first of all I went into health informatics, so mm-hmm. health information management because I was really I I was really passionate about that. Um, I I used to get really fed up. Uh, in in clinics uh, especially fracture clinic where we'd see the same patient week after week with it with an injury and like the the notes hadn't been typed up or something you know because they were still on a still on a dictaphone somewhere all the x-rays had been lost and I just thought there there must be a better way like like, we must be able to do something (laughs) about this and I'd been given a little one of my previous consultants had given me a little handheld computer gizmo thing called a scion 5 so it's like pre-smartphone and and it it totally changed how I practice medicine it like was it was amazing it was like it was really helpful and I thought this is the future of medicine and so then an opportunity arose for a for a for a job in 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 health informatics and I I just like I leapt at it and before I knew it 
I, I was just, I was doing that and I wasn't mm. doing surgery anymore. Um, and then, um, and then the kind of like the shine went off that a little bit and, um, that kind of like that job, because I wasn't doing weekends and nights and stuff, that job allowed me to really develop my outside interests. And mm. my biggest outside interest was cycling. And so I ended up working for a cycling magazine for, for, for about seven years, I think, um, being sent all over Europe to ride my bike and take pictures and get paid for it. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, and I was kind of like doing that on the side with the, with the health informatics. And then I went self-employed. Um, so it was all, like, it all kind of like happened in stages. It was always like when the timing was right. I don't think I could have jumped straight in with mm. two feet into what, what I was doing you know, what, what I'm doing now. Um, it's definitely been a journey. And, um, and then a few years ago, I kind of like let go of the, the health informatics entirely. I thought I really wanted to, I, 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 I was speaking about career change for a decade. Um, I got invited to speak at a conference back in 2007 mm-hmm. um, about the process of career change. And so then I kind of like really got into that and the psychology of it and everything. And I've been doing that for many years, again, alongside the, the health informatics work. And then a, a couple of years ago, I decided that I was just going to go, it was time again, it was time to go all in on the on the on on working one-to-one with people mm-hmm. um so i went off and got myself a coaching c- coaching qualification and and then took a really deep dive into the psychology of change and and how our minds work and everything and um and now i guess kind of a, like a little bit is come full circle in a way because i i think of myself as being back in the healing profession now because mm-hmm. I, I I take all that understanding of the of the psychology of change, having been outside of the health service for so long, and kind of like got all that life experience, uh, and I'm back working with people with you know worry and anxiety and um, and, and and burnout and and things like that really, and and you know reconnecting to their health and happiness is the way I put it. Mm, that's pretty so interesting. That's me in a nutshell. That is uh, that's an interesting nutshell. <laughs> What would you say has been the, I guess, the, the quality that has helped you be successful in changing so many times? So I always, I always, I always used to say with, with the career change stuff that you, on, you only really need uh, two things. And that's, um, that's curiosity and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. so if you're enthusiastic about something that's enough that's it kind of like it sort of creates the tension in the elastic that sort of pulls you forwards if you if you if you're interested in something and then and then curiosity just asking people questions mm-hmm. um because like all of those different changes that i went through none of them happened in that kind of like that standard um, uh, slightly made up medical way of right get that box ticked and then move on to that next thing mm-hmm. and then get that qualification and move on to that next thing and I never did any of that like I got into health informatics with no health, health informatics qualifications it was interest and enthusiasm that got me there mm-hmm. you know I was interested in it and I was enthusiastic about it and I just asked I just pestered people silly until somebody gave me a job <laughs> um the cycling journalism i know again it's not something i ever planned um i was just like super 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 enthusiastic about it i you know i lived breathed and ate cycling all the time and i was i was racing bikes as well and um and i loved writing and again it was just interest and enthusiasm i just started i just got in touch with the people at the magazine i was like how how does one get into this kind of world then and the next thing i know i'm in that world yeah i've been giving a job um and so you know that that that's the kind of that that's the kind of theme i've always just followed my nose mm-hmm. i mean i've got a i know that you've you've just come into my facebook group called which is called the enjoy what you do community mm-hmm. and it's always been like my guiding light has always been, well, don't do things that you don't want to do. (laughs) Just do, just constantly do a little bit more of what you like and a little bit less of what you don't like. And eventually, you know, you'll find yourself somewhere that is beyond what you could have imagined. Mm -hmm. 
So that's, that's, that's what's kind of like kept me going all these years. So I do, I, I like that concept of constantly of, of being curious. I like that idea of being curious and like following that curiosity because you don't know where, where it leads, where it can lead to. I guess one of the questions I had is that sometimes I have people who message me and say, um, you know, I've been trying different things, but I keep getting rejections. Mm. How, uh, how, what would your take be on sort of the advice to give them? Yeah, I, I suppose the, 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 yeah, the biggest taste I had of that. Well, no, it's, 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 it's always been the case. Like tr- trying to get into health informatics was, was so painful because there's no, there's no career path. I don't even, I don't think there is a career path into it now. It's such a weird and wonderful made up kind of subject matter. And it, and it, it kind of like infiltrates all areas of medicine really. So trying to trying to get into that I, I got knocked back constantly every single conversation I had they were just like what are you talking you know what are you talking about and no I mean I I remember bunking off work once and going to a going to a health informatics conference um at like the Birmingham NEC there was it, it was just like this and I had no idea what it was about or anything all I knew was uh, I just like took that common sense of well hang on a minute you know I'm a junior doctor the, the this is quite a long time ago now so this, there was something called the national program for IT mm. which was the first time that they that the government had made a commitment to um to compute you know bring in overhauling um computerizing medical records and stuff like that that was just kicking off and 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 and, and so for me it it just it just made total sense that hang on a minute they want to computerize the 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 health service they're going to need people who have worked on the front line in the health service to help them out with that so it just it just like made total sense and so when i was getting all those knockbacks it was just like well yeah whatever you know that well that's not the way then is it mm. you know that that's a dead end that's a dead end that's a dead end but what I find is that if you if you are if you like if you're genuinely interested in something and 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 you're not you're not just kind of I mean I I suppose I did see it got to a point where I did see health informatics as as my way out mm. but it it wasn't that I was that I was running away from something it was that I was being pulled towards something it was that I had that genuine interest and so you know it's a bit like that Edison quote isn't it about you know how many times he failed to make the light bulb or whatever mm-hmm. and he you know he's, he's probably apocryphal and it's not true at all but but it, you know that the quote about I, I haven't I haven't failed 500 times I've discovered 500 ways of not making a light bulb and you know there's a lot there's a lot of truth in that because all of the all of the changes I've made is full of nose everywhere you go. It's full of nose. And it's just like, well, it's not that way then, is it? Okay. Well, it's not that way then, is it? And you just, but you, you'll, you'll keep asking and you'll keep asking you and then completely out of the blue, something will happen. It will be a conversation that you have with somebody where you weren't even thinking about career change Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they'll say, Oh, I know someone or, Oh, have you read this? Or, I mean, for me in the informatics, it was just, it was an email that landed in my inbox. I'd replied, I'd replied to a rapid response on a BMJ article that I didn't understand, but was about health informatics. And, and, and the guy, someone had, had written a, a rapid response and they'd said, as a junior doctor who moved into health informatics. And I literally, I just replied to that. And I just said, I want to do that. How did you do it? And the next thing I know, you know, I'm being invited to an interview for a position that had been created at the Royal College of Physicians. You know, there was unbeknownst to me, there was a big health informatics, new health informatics project mm. that had got some funding. So I'd say just don't give up. You know, mm-hmm. if it like if it makes sense to be drawn towards whatever it is you're being drawn towards, mm-hmm. then just, you know, keep an open mind listen to all the no's they say what do they say you know take all the advice and then ignore all of it i've always seen like a career as sort of whittling away all Mm. of the ways i don't want to do it anyway 
because there's only my way of doing something really that's going to be right for me. I can't do it the same way that someone else has done. So all those no's are just a kind of like a way of sort of whittling away the Fine shape tuning. of what it eventually will, will look like. Yeah. 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 I for sure understand that. And actually there was something interesting that you said that I wanted to pick up on um, that really, really spoke to me. Um, so I believe on, oh, the article from Physician Burnout by Kate Little, mm. you said, I am a strong believer of having something to work towards. It mm. is very easy to focus on all the things that you don't want. Mm. Um, and I think I particularly feel, when I read that, I was like, oh my God, like that speaks to me because I remember being so tired and worn out by the end of F2 that all I was thinking of was the literally the end of F2 and just having a break. And then when the end came, I found that actually I hadn't really planned what I was going towards. I was really just, my idea was, oh, I'm just going to try something. I'm just going to, I'm going to find something else. Um, But in my mind, I didn't actually know what it was I wanted, or I hadn't even given myself like a a goalpost to go towards. It was very general. And Eventually, I found myself back. <laughs> I found myself back in medicine, um, just just through the. I, I was locuming, and um, and again, that wasn't that wasn't a, like a negative or a bad thing, but it was just what it was. So I really did. I did like that um, that particular message. Um, what I wanted to, I guess, the next question that I had was, um, you for people to sort of know what they're curious about. Mm. Um, I think there has to be a level of self-awareness and a level of sort of knowing yourself and being able to listen to your your gut your instincts mm. and I remember particularly as an F2 as a junior doctor in my last year of foundation training that I was literally just in survival mode where I was just trying to get through day after day um, and particularly with just medicine in general I had not really invested much in my hobbies. I was really more about just studying and passing exams and just getting through, you know, tick boxes, getting through all the stuff that I needed to do. That I never, that I, I, I used to like writing. I stopped writing. Um, so by the end of F2, I didn't actually know what, what it was I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I found it really hard to listen to my instinct because I don't think I honed it enough to be able to trust it. How do you feel people can sort of go on that process of listening to themselves more, honing that instinct? Yeah, that that that's a that's a really good question, and 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 it's it's a good observation, and and I and I I do very much relate to to that that description that you've just given because I think it, what when I look back for me, that was kind of like that was all that was almost the 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 straw that broke the camel's back for me was like. I'd always had a whole load of outside interests. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about how you get into medical school, you know, your, your CV to get into medical school, it has it has to be more non-science, non-medical. You know, it's like you have to mm-hmm. be the head of this team and you do this and you do that and you do the other. And and then you get into medical school and they just like systematically kick it out of you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even remember what it was you liked doing. So I, I, do, I really, really relate to that. And, 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 um, I mean, I, I could see my, uh, it's funny because like back, back when I was training, it seemed really important to me to be able to see my career path. Like, I thought that was a good thing. I, like, I think I, it, it was just something I'd inherited, I guess, from my parents. It's like that secure job kind of thing. So I thought it was re- I, I thought it was really important, and then I got to a point, and and that actually started to work against me because it's like, hang on a minute, I can I can see where I'm going to end up here, and it doesn't involve all of those outside interests that that I used to have, and um, I th- I think they don't go away, and uh, and they're always still there, and and you're right if you're if you're st- if you're struggling to survive if you're just trying to get through, if you're just trying to get through the day, then you're not going to be able to really have the, 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 the space really to be able to, I mean, it's, it's creative dreaming really, isn't it? So, so when I look, when I look back to when I first left and I took some independent careers advice, um, I, I actually, I took a week's annual leave. Like I, 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 
it, it's it's making a commitment to it it's like each of the career changes i've been through there's always been a bit of a sort of a wake-up call there's always been a like a line i've crossed where it's like right you know this is enough <laughs> i cannot go on for another you know i like i put myself five years it's like am i going to be doing this in five years no okay change has to happen then mm-hmm. and it would be like making that commitment to change mm-hmm. so what am i going to do you know what what can i do right now well what i can do is i can book a week's annual leave not to fix it all mm-hmm. but just i'm going to clear my diary here and i'm really gonna i'm really gonna focus on this or mm-hmm. it on a on more of a micro level it's like right well i'm gonna commit to i'm gonna get a book that someone's recommended to me mm-hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to read that book. I'm going to, I'm going to watch half an hour's less Netflix mm-hmm. and I'm going to take that half an hour and I'm going to commit to, you know, if I'm serious about career change, mm-hmm. I need to change something up. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't get different results by doing the same thing. So it might be initially just eking out like a tiny little bit, but it's really committing to the process. It's mm-hmm. like, well, am I going to change here or mm-hmm. not? You know, am I just going to carry on like this? And if the answer is no, I'm going to change, then change, then start mm-hmm. doing something differently. And I used to send out like after my, after my talks, I used to give on, on career change. I'd, I'd send out a series of emails and one of them was on this particular topic. And it was um, um, like how to kind of like, get get yourself out of that rut of thinking in exactly the same way Mm. and basically you need to expose yourself to different way of different ways of thinking you know you need to listen to podcasts you wouldn't normally listen to you need to read books you wouldn't normally read you need to have conversations with people that you wouldn't normally have conversations with just to get the old gray matter you know stirred around a little bit (laughs) because then that's when you start having the insights and the realizations like oh I'd never thought of that and and that's how change that's how change occurs um so coming on to that I listened to your episode on the mind takeaway where Mm. you mentioned two things actually um but one was saying yes to what feels scary um Mm. and I you know obviously I think this means going out of your comfort zone and trying new things essentially. I did have a question which is a little bit uh, a bit different. My question was this is something that I've thought about in the past. In terms of your com- so the point of going out your comfort zone from from my understanding is to be able to get yourself into a position where you're growing. Um it's to get yourself uncomfortable enough that you start to um, I guess embrace other aspects of yourself that you or just to see other aspects of yourself that you didn't know that was there so my my question is there are things that I know that I don't want to do just because I don't like that and let's say for example um mine is roller coasters I don't like roller coasters mm-hmm. um so skydiving probably I wouldn't like that but that that would be outside my comfort zone is there a difference between doing something out of your comfort zone that will help you to grow and doing something out of your comfort zone that could help you to grow, but is just not in the way you want. Yeah. I absolutely love that question. And it, and it's, it, 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 honestly, it's a question I've asked myself many, many times because it's like when I, when I'm growing a business, it, it's almost like it's the eternal question. It's like, well, do, is, is this something that I need to go through? Is this something that I need to get over? You know, is there a yeah. bit of me that I just need to get over and get on with it? Um, or is this actually not right for me? Mm. And I don't think there's any, there, I don't think there's any really clear cut, clear cut way the, the, what, what I've, what I've noticed. So when I talked about um, saying yes to things that are scary, I suppose the 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 most um the most acute of those scenarios was where was when I first got into public speaking mm, mm-hmm. and I'd been um I I'd been on a bit of a personal development journey and I'd been reading all the books and everything and and for some reason I took copious notes I didn't just read these things and so I and I didn't always do the exercises that you're supposed to do but I I used to kind of like reflect on what I'd heard and I used to keep like notes on a dictaphone like <laughs> crazy little man and I'd be driving I'd be listening to things in my car and I'd be pulling over into a lay-by and I oh I've just had an insight about da, 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 da. 
And so I had like all these, I had all these notes. Now I had no idea why I was doing that. No idea whatsoever. And then one day um, I was at, I was at a health informatics conference and I met this guy who had only ever met once before. So I didn't know him well at all. And I wasn't expecting to see him there because he wasn't even in the world of health informatics. He'd been given a ticket by someone who was ill or something. And, um, and I was like, this is a bit weird, isn't it? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyway, we got, we got chatting and, and, and he said, he said, Oh, I've got, he said, you've had an interesting career, haven't you? He said, and I've got a mate who is about to run a conference about alternative careers for doctors he said i don't suppose you'd like to come and talk at it about getting into health informatics would you and and like and that was one of those moments because i actually i i i well i could have just said no i'm you know i'm too scared what do i know um or i could have said yes i will come and talk about getting into health informatics it's a bit complicated because the journey isn't straightforward but I actually said, yes, I will come and talk, but I won't talk about health informatics. Mm. I will talk about the underlying process of career change. And he said to me, what do you mean? And in that moment, I didn't know. Like, I literally, I didn't know. So that's when I say saying yes to things that mm. seem scary. So... That, that was the first time I think I ever like consciously really said yes to something that I had no idea how I was going to achieve it. Mm-hmm. I was going from literally zero. Like I hadn't even really had it. I had all these, all these notes. All of a sudden, all those notes made sense. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I've got material here. Yeah. And then I went away and I put that into some kind of structure mm-hmm. and I went back to him. And so, but that felt so right that felt like one of those moments that it was just like yes i've been waiting for this guy to ask me this question all my life and here it is and it's utterly terrifying and i don't know what it's going to look like and i don't know how i'm going to achieve it but it feels so good it mm-hmm. feels like the right thing to do so i guess it's like an internal thing that like you'll know whether it's yes i guess yes it's scary but it's the right yeah. thing or no, that's scary, but that's because it's not the right thing. Like yeah. going in a dark alley, you know not to do that. Yeah, 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 sure. And and look, I mean, there are that like I still hate doing Facebook lives. You know, mm. I mean, I, I I you know I'm fine on camera and everything and having conversations with people. There's something about doing Facebook lives that's just like you know I'll sit there for ten minutes beforehand and I'll have that like oh I don't want to do this I really don't and I'll be going through what I'm going to say in my head and. And, and, I, and I hate, and I know that that's just one of those things. It's like, well, you know, I mean, I, I know enough about where thoughts and feelings come from that I know that that's, you know, that's not telling me anything about the audience. It's not telling me anything about the, the, the Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. It's purely a reflection of the thinking that I have in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that is one of those that I just need to get over it and just, and just do it, you know? <laughs> so I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, um, yeah it actually brings up another question. Um, yeah. so, so I think in somewhere you have said essentially i might be paraphrasing but um uh dr sean hussein's podcast on enduring health you said whatever we need in any given moment will present itself to us so would you do you believe in so particularly what happened to you at that speaking event it sounded oh to get that speaking event it sounded like a you were in the right place at the right time so i guess my question is do you is, was it like a coincidence? Is this something, I guess, if you put the work in, you become more lucky or how would you, how would you explain it? I think it's about being, being in the flow of life mm-hmm. as opposed to up in your head about stuff. Okay. I always used to talk about it in terms of switch your radar on be like you know you, there's no, there's no way you're going to find a path if you're not even looking for it mm-hmm. now most of us we um we we try and predict the future we think right so so if i'm going to get from a to b it, i'm probably going to have to go via points one two three four and five to get mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and that's completely made up that has no basis in reality whatsoever that is just a bunch of thinking 
that is taking us away from the present moment. It's mm -hmm. taking us away from the flow of life. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan things. You know, if mm -hmm. I want to eat cereal next week and there's none in the cupboard, I need to go to the shops and get some. You know, yeah, there's right. so light. I'm not saying, but that, but that there's there's something um, there's something about the the you know the way that we seem to be built to thrive and you know i'm looking at i'm looking out here at this amazing massive tree that's growing in the street outside my window and the same thing that grows that tree is kind of like living me really you know there's a there's the, the, there seems to be an energy the energy of life seems to tend towards thriving let's put it that way and and i know that if i can if i can get out of the way of that then then i'm far more likely to 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 achieve to achieve success like, like all of those all of those things that came to pass like i said earlier you know like none of them were planned mm -hmm. and and while it's great to have something to aim towards i think the purpose of having something to aim towards is to create the tension in that elastic it's not necessarily to get to where you think it is that you want to get to mm -hmm. because you'll probably find along the journey you'll take a detour Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that tension is what's required, which is why it's really important to honor our authentic desires. If we've got something that we feel pulled towards, start moving towards it. You'll probably not end up, well, I say, you know, when I work with clients on career change, I say to them, if you can conceive of where you might end up, then I can guarantee it won't look like that. Mm. Because anything that we can conceive of with, with our, tiny little minds is nothing compared to the infinite possibilities of how things might turn out for us and, and where we where we might end up and i think the more that we can that we can operate in reality reality being the present moment what's right under our noses the more that we can see that that's reality and we can let go of all of the future thinking that we have and we can let go of all of the past thinking that we have that that might you know think make us think that we've got a whole bunch of limitations mm -hmm. and the more that we can be present in reality well that's when you're far more open mm -hmm. to these weird and wonderful little serendipities happening and you and you you know you you say yes to them so how do you become more present how do you become more present well i mean ain't that the question and um i i think and and this like of all of the things I've learned over the years, this is the point I've got to where I can see that it is the most important thing that we can learn. Not, not to be more present, but to see, like really see that there's nothing else. Mm -hmm. Like you can't not be present. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can't not be present. That, that, that that's all there ever is. And that exploration of um of 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 seeing what's real and what's not real of of really uh seeing that 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 now is all there is and that the only thing that can ever take us away from that is our thinking is to is is for us to think our think our way out of that um i mean i've just i've just found with with myself and with clients that that to be to be led to see that leads to to change of a of a of a different level entirely of a, a of change that comes through insight so mm -hmm. there's not there's not a doing because we're such doing beings aren't we we're doing beings you know we, we we like to be doing something all the time and we think okay you know it's in that question isn't it so how can i be more present you know mm -hmm. what what is it that i have to do to become more present well, maybe the question is, what do I have to stop doing mm, to become mm, more present? Mm, mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe the answer to that question is in the question itself. That, that mm. there actually is no how. That that it's that you that there's there's you're never anything but present, and it's the search for how to be more present that actually gets in the way. <laughs> Counterintuitive. Okay. Um, I had a question. Oh my God, it's just gone from my mind. Um, 
Oh, yes. So it was, the question was, I think I've, I've heard you before saying that suffering comes from our thoughts. It, it, it's more of an internal thing rather than the external um, pressures. Yeah. Uh, so my, my question was going to be, so for someone who feels like their work is causing them a lot of pain, um, yeah. do you, my, my thought process would be if something is causing you pain, you should try to, you know, remove yourself from that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but from what I understand from what you're saying is that could it be that they just need to approach it differently or how, what, what is your views? If you yeah, could explain sure. it. A bit and, and, that, uh, that's, and that's quite possibly the most common question I get. It's like, <laughs> well, hang on a minute. You know, if I'm, so, you know, if I'm in an, uh, if I'm in an abusive relationship, you know, let's go, let's go, let's, let's make it extreme. So if I'm, if I'm being beaten up every day, mm-hmm. are you, are you, Giles, are you telling me that I'm just making that all up mm. and that that's in my head and that I should try and see it differently? And that's not what I'm saying. Mm. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that there is no other way to experience the world other than in thought. Mm-hmm. So if I pinch myself, that feeling of physical pain, that, that the experience of that comes in thought. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's no other way to experience it. And so if I'm in a, if I'm in any relationship at any time and anything's going on, then the more that we can, the more that we can see the difference between what's actually going on and what's story about that, then the better, the more we get in touch with our intuitive voice, the more we hear what's right for us. And somebody in an abusive relationship, that could be the difference between them not leaving because they're telling themselves a whole load of stories. They're creating a bunch of fear, a whole load of fear about the future. But what will happen if I do leave? When, when really what, what their intuition is telling them in, in the moment, if they could, if they could see that for the fiction that it is, is, I need to get out of this relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with, it's the same with work. I mean, I've, I've worked recently with two doctors, both, both who were suffering from burnout. And um, when, when they were led to appreciate how their reality was being created in thought moment to moment, just as it is with all of us, mm-hmm. and they were able to reconnect to their own wisdom and common sense one of them could see that that actually work wasn't so bad and it was their thinking about work that was really creating all the suffering Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was like a huge weight it lifted off their shoulders they were like they were so worried about what people thought about them Mm -hmm. and stuff it's like well you know we can't control what we think about ourselves so how the hell can we control what other people think about us and it was the holding on to that and trying to manage all of that Mm -hmm. all of that stuff that's not real all of that stuff that just lives in the world of thought that was you know that was at the root of the burnout because that's exhausting doing that trying to control stuff that you can't control is absolutely exhausting and seeing how much of what you can't control is kind of like oh well you know i can't i can't i can't bring back the staff room because the staff room's been taken away from us um but i can um you know, I can see where my thinking about that situation is, is, is just creating a load of, uh, creating a load of suffering. So, um, they actually went back to work and working conditions got worse and they are now a paragon of calm, relaxed. <laughs> uh, everyone keeps asking them, how the hell are you so chilled out all the time when, when the department's going to hell? And she's like, well, cause I know what's real and what's not real. I know what's my thinking mm-hmm. and I know what's, and, and, and she's very much, you know, operates from, from, an, from an intuitive basis. Whereas another client presented in pretty much the same way talk them through the mechanics of how it all works and everything and the implications Mm -hmm. and for them it was a very clear oh the the root of my burnout is that i've not been listening to my intuitive voice that's saying well this isn't right for me 
this isn't right for me. This isn't the career that this isn't the career I want. You know, I've, I, I've been trying to make the best out of a bad job for so many years that I'm burnt out. So it's almost like, you know, there, there were the, the, the presenting complaint was the same. It had been given the label of burnout and yet one of them were, wanted to carry on working but didn't feel like she could and and, and the other one had been telling in you know, two different kinds of stories mm. like, like i'm not i'm the i'm not good enough story which is just made up and 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 then the um i need to i need to keep doing this story again just as e- equally invalid <laughs> but then helping people to see that then yeah. you get with intuition and you do what's right for you that's what Mm -hmm. i'm saying you know what you need Mm -hmm. is always available to you in the in the present moment so long as you're not trying to make decisions from up up in the stories yeah uh thank you for telling those two stories because i think that definitely clarifies the idea of like truth and i guess truth Mm. versus stories Mm. and what we tell ourselves to go to another topic in terms of stories um money the topic of yeah. Um, so I watched the, uh, the video you. that you that you uh, sent me, which I thank you for that. Um, so one of the I, I have many quotes from this, but um, one of the one of the quotes was, "Life is too short to be worrying about money. Um, you shouldn't take money into consideration when you're making career decisions because it will get in the way." Um, so these quotes, I, I do, I um, I do find a lot of um, truth in them. I think the thing that I struggle with is, I guess, and I'm probably not alone, is that we base so much importance on money and so much value on money. Mm. And speaking, so in terms of like, let's say, for example, first generational uh, professionals who are the first person in their families to go to university, um, they've been drummed, it's been drummed into them that, you know, it's education, it's career, it's money. This is how you secure yourself a better future. This is how you 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 secure your future um so there's so much value that we give to money and there's so much importance and emotion and to separate to try and separate from that i think it's it's pretty hard it's pretty hard i think it's the hardest one isn't it it's the hardest one yeah yeah and but but, but, so so life either works one way or it works the other way like you can't have a mixture you can't you can't say well um so if 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 the reality that i'm in right this moment is being created in thought okay (laughs) so that's what you're saying here is just from a neuroscientific perspective we've got a bunch of data going in via our senses you know hearing sight none of that contains any meaning it can't contain any meaning it's Mm -hmm. just data Mm-hmm. And that all goes in, and then the little this little version of reality gets created inside of us, and mm-hmm. then we layer on all these judgments and the analysis and all, all stuff like that. So it either works that way mm-hmm. or it doesn't. Like there's no there's no kind of like in between. There's no like, ah yeah, but with with I mean what, one of my one of my mentors uh, he. Uh, he he was used to joke. He he, he used to say, um, "Yeah, life works a hundred percent inside out, other than with my wife and my bank account." <laughs> 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 and it's just yeah, like you say, um, and you, you you know you you said drummed into us, mm-hmm. but it's all like everything we've learned about money is predicated on that on the misunderstanding that mm-hmm. money somehow makes us feel a particular way that an, mm-hmm. an inanimate object that a, a concept can make us feel can somehow transmit feelings from that bit of paper in in into you know it just it just doesn't work like that even mm-hmm. though it looks like it does mm-hmm. this this is the key so and i'm I mean, I'm, I guess I'm forever grateful that, that I, I think my, my, my first sight, the first time I properly caught sight of that was when I left medicine. Because like I said earlier, I could see that path stretching out ahead of me. And I was training to be an orthopedic surgeon. I really valued money. Mm-hmm. You know, I valued money and status. And, and I, thought, I thought if I can create this set of circumstances, um, so like plenty of money, you know, the house, the car, the family, the holidays, the status, and I can serve society by, by you know, being mm-hmm. a surgeon, mm-hmm. then that's got to be the 
perfect ingredients for happiness. That's what made sense to me back Mm. then because nobody had told me that it just doesn't work like that. Happiness is a state of mind. It's independent of circumstance. Mm -hmm. Happiness is independent of circumstance. Now I, I got a, I got a, a sight. I caught sight of that back when I was eligible to apply for my, um, like, uh, six years of specialist registrar to become a consultant because I could see the path ahead of me and I could see the people who reached that imagine, imaginary finish line that I'd, that I'd created out of thin air that we get again, drummed into us. Well, mm. when you're a consultant, when you, you know, it's all getting, you know, I'll be happy when yeah. that finish line. Now I could see that there were enough people around me. Some of them would you know, clearly they were doing the right thing for them and they were loving it and they were brilliant surgeons and they were wonderful people. There were enough of them who had the house, they had the car, they had the family or only just because they were, you know, in the process of going through a divorce or something. Mm-hmm. They, they had the holidays, they had the status, they had the amazing practice and they were miserable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first time I really caught sight of the gap between money and feeling states. Mm-hmm. And it's just as, uh, as time has gone by and when I took this real deep dive into psychology and it's like, oh no, it's, it's not just that all oh, money can't make you happy. It's like, no, it literally, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. That circumstance and objects out in the world mm-hmm. literally have no capacity, have zero capacity mm-hmm. for making us feel a particular, for making us feel a particular way. It's a hundred percent of our felt experience of life comes Mm. from thought. And the more deeply we see that, the more, you know, when I I said in that, in, in, in that little Facebook live I did about money, didn't I? It's like, yeah, you know, I'm human. Every now and again, I'll completely freak out about money. I'll be like, Oh my God, I need to make some more money. And then, (laughs) and then, and then, but, but I know, like, I know you, I'll take a lie detector test. I Mm. know that those feelings that I have in that moment, those feelings of insecurity aren't coming from my bank balance. Mm. They're not coming from money. A hundred percent of those feelings of insecurity that I have in that moment mm-hmm. are coming from insecure thoughts. Mm-hmm. They're coming from what I think about Hammond. Now, does that mean I don't need to do something? Well, sure. Yeah. I might need to, you know, adjust my business model mm-hmm. to, you know, bring it back from this venture that I was doing that's not making as much money and to put a bit more effort into. But making that decision from a place of reality, mm-hmm. making that decision from a, from a place of seeing how life works mm-hmm. rather than from within the panicky, mm. insecure thinking that's not real. Mm-hmm. Like any decisions I make from that insecure place of thinking is going to be a rubbish decision because yeah. it's not based in reality. So I think, so I guess my understanding from what you're saying is that money is important. It's not like you still, you still need it, but rather than We're don't, <laughs> but just don't place so much, I guess, focus and worth and yeah. value if, on it. If you think, if you, if you are carrying a model around with you in your head that the more money I make, the happier I will be, mm. you are wrong. And any decisions that you make on that basis will get you into trouble. You'll end up, you'll end up, I mean, like if it was true, w- would we have rich and famous people deeply unhappy? They're all in therapy mm-hmm. because Jim Kerry said, right, there's a brilliant Jim Query quote. He said, I wish that everybody mm. could achieve everything they want in their life and earn a ton of money so that they can see it's not the answer. Mm-hmm. And it's just because it doesn't work like that. That's all. Mm. It doesn't work that way. That's yeah. outside and it's inside out. <laughs> okay, I get that. I get that more now. Thank you so much for explaining You're that. You're welcome. Um, I guess so. Final few questions because I think we yes. have gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, in terms of questions for you, like where do you see yourself going, sort of in the future? I shall carry on. I shall carry on um, creating tension in my elastic. 
Mm-hmm. I shall carry on being moved towards whatever it feels appropriate to be moved towards. That's, like okay. my business, pra- my practice at the moment mm-hmm. has changed immeasurably in the, in, in, you know, the couple of years since I, since I started doing it, you know, I had an idea of what it would be like and it's completely different from that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to carry on showing up um, without expectation and and doing what makes sense (laughs) to good things no doubt awesome and sort of like where can people find you if they want to if they want to hear more about you so um i mean one 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 of the best resources that i've got i suppose is my youtube channel so if you go onto youtube it's youtube slash um dr dr giles p croft or just look up giles p croft on youtube and you'll find me because i've got a ton of uh, little video clips and longer longer video i run these sessions called well-being wednesdays where i answer questions like you know like you've been asking um to an audience um so that's uh, if people you know want to hear more that's a good place to mm-hmm. uh, to, to go um website's on its way that's gilespcroft.com i'm just in the in the process of developing a program at the moment but there's not much on that website at the moment and i spend an inordinate amount of time on facebook and twitter so just look up giles p croft anywhere and uh, and you'll find me and get in touch yeah with your well-being wednesday group is that something that anyone can join it is yeah so it started off i, I wanted to set up a community well-being thing so um my wife has a shop um and i thought well let's use the shop space it's a beautiful shop uh, it's an it's a it's an old wooden boarded wooden beamed i don't know 18th century coach house or something so it's a beautiful place so i, I started using that on a wednesday evening and then of course coronavirus struck <laughs> and um and so i had to i had to make it an online thing so yeah anyone from anywhere in the world can uh, can sign up for 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 to um, be on the live stream for that but i put i post all of the videos from it uh, online about a week later for for those who don't want to be on the live stream but yeah awesome. anyone's welcome also and do you have a final message for anyone that's been listening hmm. maybe it's just seeing seeing the difference between between what's real and what's not real i think mm. is like you, you, the more we look in that direction the easier life becomes the more we can see how much of it is a story it's all a story um that uh, <laughs> the easier life becomes the easier it is to just you know relax into the flow of life and and see the opportunities and take the opportunities so that that's the advice i'd give Thank you so, so much for the amount of knowledge that you've brought today. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks again to Giles for that amazing episode. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was. You can message me on Instagram. You can find me on my blog, Mind the Medic, all the same name. And I'll see you soon.